all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Seven Remini Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at UMMC and program director of the MedPeds Residency Program. You know, making your home a safe place for your children is one of the most important things you can do to prevent injuries, but it's so easy to get sidetracked on that, so easy to get sort of lulled into the same routines, and we'll be discussing how to make your home safe this this season, and share you can uh, share your questions or comments about this or any other health issue that you have burning on your mind this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING, that's 1-877-672-7464, or just send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. Well, I don't know about the rest of you. I'm enjoying this cooler weather right now. Uh, it was nice to go to a couple of football games last week with it a little bit cooler, and uh, it's about time. It's been incessantly hot and humid uh, for a long time now, and it's nice to sort of get close to fall at least. I know it's not quite here yet, but we've only got a couple more weeks, one week or so for the official start of fall. Um, hope everybody is uh, recovering. If you were, uh, you know, had I've talked to several people that had family both in Texas and in Florida. I uh, hope everybody is recovering well. And I just wanted to put in a plug uh, to help those people out. You know, one of the things Mississippi is um, is known for is its generosity. And although we have some of the lowest incomes in the nation, we have some of the highest per capita giving. Uh, to needy causes, uh, to worthwhile causes uh, in the nation. So uh, look look where you can help out. Try to help out in, in uh, whatever way that you can, either in Texas or in Florida, because goodness knows they need it uh, and are going to need it for a long time uh, to rebuild those areas. So uh, just put a little challenge out there to Mississippians like myself to uh, however you, you donate, whether that's through the Red Cross or your local church or community organization. Look for some ways to do that to help somebody else out because, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we uh, were in the same situation here in Mississippi uh, with Katrina. So safety, you know, there's a reason why people say safety first, particularly in pediatrics. It's because, you know, some of the most common injuries to children of all ages uh, are preventable injuries. And a lot of those have to do with the safety of the environment of the child. It's one of the reasons why we have so many different regulations in public places, particularly in schools and daycares, uh, anywhere where children are located uh, these days, and um, it can really help out those children to stay safe. But the home is a big one. We spend a lot of time in in our houses. Uh, sometimes we may have children that are visiting when we don't normally have children. There's a lot of things that we may not think about 
uh, just walking through the house that are not necessarily a danger for you as an adult or even an older child or teenager, but it could be uh, something that could harm a younger individual. So we're going to talk about some of those issues today. I usually try to hit this several times a year just because of how important it is. And you know, if if we think about some of the things that affect kids and some of the things that we see in the emergency room at uh, at um, in, here at UMC or elsewhere, you know, uh, a lot of things uh, can be prevented. Uh, some things we don't quite know all the reasons why, but we know some things to to do to to prevent those, like SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome. So this is a condition that most people have heard of. That affects uh, infants, young infants uh, from birth up to about two to four months of age, uh, sometimes a little bit uh, older than that. But uh, basically, it's the third leading cause of death less than a year of age. Uh, That's a lot of individuals. In a lot of situations, once you start taking a history of that, uh, you you sort of dig up some of the reasons that... uh, that they may have have been preventable poisonings. Uh, there's about two deaths per day in the United States of a child from poisoning. Uh, of course, those are, are potentially pre- preventable. About, that's about 300 ER visits a day. Um, so it's definitely something that can affect uh, the health of your kids. Burns and burns can be anything from open flames. I uh, don't have a lot of that in homes, but certainly water burns are the things that we see the most in tubs, uh, in sinks, around the stove. About two deaths per day that are related to uh, to burns with kids. And again, over about 300 ER visits a day um, that have to do with burns. And then you have all kinds of other things after that. Falls uh, from unsafe uh, conditions, drownings. Um, and then in older kids or even younger kids riding with, with older kids or adults, a death or injury from motor vehicle or uh, vehicular co- collisions. Vehicular. That's a hard one. That almost sounds like a Ross Perot statement. Vehicular. So, um Hard one for Dr. Stewart to say this morning. Motor vehicular co- uh, collision. So the leading cause of death greater than age four. Um, so certainly, uh, man, I don't know. I, I'm almost to the point where I think, uh, particularly where I drive, uh, everybody should take like a refresher course every four years or so because there's some crazy stuff happening out there driving. A lot of distractions, a lot of things that can happen on the road. Uh, certainly you, your kids are going to be in cars getting back and forth from one place or another. So these are all issues that are out there and we need to be aware of just the gravity of them. And, you know, sometimes we can, we can not think about, it. i tell you what, though, when it, when it involves your family or somebody's family next to you, that, that's close to you, maybe in your extended family, uh, it's a big deal. And sometimes they can have long-term consequences from that. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and we're talking about safety issues this morning. If you have any questions about safety issues in and around your home, uh, maybe it's a pool that you want to put in, maybe it's something in the house, maybe you got a new baby coming in, maybe you're a grandparent and you want to make sure your house is safe for kids, give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. You know, one of the first things that I tell parents, uh, particularly new parents that are coming in, um, you know, they're worried about uh, the safety of their house. If you have a newborn baby, you don't worry so much about that just because that baby's not mobile. They can't get to different places. So, you know, most parents go ahead and, and uh, childproof because they're thinking about that. 
they'll go ahead and plug up, for instance, the uh, the utility outlets, the electrical outlets in the house, uh, looking for things that could potentially be a fall risk. But the thing that I, I tell parents is go through your house like you've never been in the house before and just think of everywhere where, where your child is going to interact in their room, in your room, uh, in the kitchen, in utility areas, everywhere you're going to have that child, even if that child is a newborn and you're either carrying them or you have them in a, uh, a car seat or a, a bassinet or a bed, think about that environment and just do a walk through the house to sort of safety proof it. I mean, it's worth it to do that probably with somebody else. And maybe, you know, if you want to be very, really thorough about it, just get you a little piece of paper and a pencil and just write down things that you see uh, that need to be taken care of prior to them coming home. Same thing with grandparents, you know, and uh, we've had uh, some friends of ours who had a younger child that was sort of unexpected. uh, And, you know, we all had children the same age and our children were all, um, in our, in the teen years. And, you know, think about some of the sharp objects that they could get into. A lot of the things that you have on tables, uh, or around the home that are decorative, uh, really aren't that, that, uh, safe for younger kids. So if you're going to have younger kids in the house, you may have to go through and take all that pretty stuff off the table that might uh, injure them and put it up high somewhere, or maybe put it up until they, uh, until they're they're out of that home situation, but that's one that particularly with grandparents, it's a big deal that you have to think about. So you know, systematically going through the house is important. And if we take younger individuals, uh, infants, um, the things that they interact with the most are, are where we normally would tell parents to start. And if you start in the infant's room or wherever they're going to be, you know, they're going to sleep, you're going to change them. Those are things to sort of keep in mind. So a changing table is one place to start. Now, for those of you out there who don't have kids or, you know, some people are like, what changing table? What is that? What is a changing table? Uh, This is a piece of furniture that basically is... Uh, you can stand next to it, and it's at the level where you can place your child on it. It usually has a little uh, area on top that it has some low rails where you can, and maybe a pad on it that you can change that child, uh, change their diaper. Uh, it may have some mechanism that you can put those dirty diapers in that's right next to it. Uh, and also, you know, sort of like a little dresser that's, that's right best, uh, where you can do that. So a changing table, uh, one of the most common injuries we see with those is an infant falling off of that. And it's not so much that the infant is able to roll over. Obviously, a newborn's not going to be able to do that. But um, the changing table can fall over if it's not secured. A lot of the better table tables that are out there right now actually secure to the wall. Uh, so even though it's like a dresser that sits um, by itself, You have a little uh, tab that you can attach to the wall so that it won't fall over. And uh, if you have other children in the house, that's a common situation that we see in the in the clinic or the ER where the baby will be on the changing table. Three year old brother comes up. He wants to see he wants to help out. He pulls on the changing table. The changing table falls over and it can do damage to the older child, too, if it falls on him. Another thing, particularly as it relates to sudden infant death syndrome prevention, is uh, is the crib, is where is this child going to sleep? And, you know, sleeping is one of the most common complaints that parents have or lack thereof with their newborn. And, you know, there's 
20 different ways to to go about that. Every child is a little bit different in their sleeping patterns and and how they establish those over time. Uh, It can be extremely frustrating. Parents are uh, it's very uh, tempting to take your child and let them sleep in the same bed with you. And I know a lot of people feel very strongly about that. Um, there have been some, uh, a little bit of evidence or a lot of research rather on that. But if you look at sudden infant death syndrome, uh, a lot of those cases came where the infant, um, uh, what we know about their breathing mechanism if, is if they get, uh, they get sort of smothered basically. So, uh, bedding that, uh, is right up against their face, right up against their nose or a person, uh, even if it's just a sheet or a comforter, uh, that can uh, cause the, the child to asphyxiate, to quit breathing while they're sleeping. And, you know, parents are mostly sleep deprived anyway, so it's incredibly easy for them to, uh, to not wake up. Uh, oftentimes the infant will, you know, not show any signs of, uh, of distress uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, so it's, it's incredibly heart-wrenching to... Uh, have this situation when we, you know, when we see it in the ER. So um, Back to Sleep was a campaign that the American Academy of Pediatrics um, put into place decades ago. And uh, since that, one of the most effective things I think that the AAP has ever done to decrease SIDS incidents. Um, and since doing that, they've seen a, a tremendous drop. Basically, you want to put your child on the back, on their back um, to sleep and uh, to uh, without a whole lot of fluffy stuff that's around them. So all those bumper pads and everything, really, you don't need much there. You know, they're not going to hurt themselves from moving around too much. They may squirm around a little bit. And securing that space, you know, against them uh, rebreathing or, or having things up next to them. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about safety issues today. I think we had a caller on the line, but I think we lost him there. I think his name was Don that had a question about uh, toilet safety. Uh, so, Don, call us back. If not, we'll, uh, I'll touch on that. I don't know the details of that uh, question, but uh, I'll try to um, cover that uh, if I can. Um, let's, go, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, you know, the other things in the room. A nightlight is a nice thing to have in a baby's room, particularly if you're going in and out as an adult. Um, something to just plug in so you can see what the room, you know, what's in the room. Oftentimes things end up on the floor. Uh, keep in mind, incredibly safe devices, but every once in a while you can have a fire risk with that. Uh, just make sure that there's not, you know, if you have a flickering bulb, a lot of the ones now are much safer because they're LED. Um, but, um, but uh, you know, most of them are, are pretty safe. But just make sure you don't have curtains or other soft things Um uh, up against the um, up against the nightlight, but it is a nightlight is a nice thing to have just so that you can see. And most of the time, an infant will go to sleep fairly well um, with uh, with just a little bit lower lights and not complete darkness. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about safety issues in the home. You can ask your safety questions this morning by calling one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or email us at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about safety issues in the home this morning. And had a caller that we lost earlier talking about just some of the issues around toilet seats. And uh, that is one that we uh, you can see a little bit more rare with the serious injuries. But I believe the situation was a, a child that unfortunately uh, leaned over and uh, fell into the toilet seat and wasn't able to, to get them out in time. And um, you know, anything where you have kids running around like that in the house, the toddlers especially, you'd want to uh, proof those as much as you can. A uh, lot more instances of, uh, you know, the toilet seat or the cover uh, that falls down, um, you know, and, and um, has some injury to the child's hand. Um, um, I Actually, I have seen that quite a bit, but it... Um, it it can cause a lot of uh, downstream effects when they when they're potty trained too because now they're scared to death the toilet's going to hit them with the lid, um, but that's you know some, those things can be you can sort of get different types of toilet seats or certainly some that aren't as heavy as they used to be you don't have the porcelain uh, but uh, you do have the sort of a plastic top to it. Um, but there's lots of things just to think about that. And the main thing is just walk through and just think if you were if you were your child and uh, I encourage parents to get on their eye level, too. If you've got a, a younger child in a new environment, just get down on their eye level and see what you see and just think like a kid. Actually, it's sort of a fun activity to do and just go through the house and just say, OK, what would I get into if I was a kid? So one of the most important things in a child's room and in rooms, uh, bedrooms especially, is a fire alarm uh, in every room. In every bedroom in the kitchen, you should have a fire alarm. And these are fairly cheap now. A lot of them, if they're the fancy ones are put in newer homes that are hooked up to a security system. And if one goes off, they all go off. Uh, make sure that you test those yearly. Um, uh, replace batteries when they when they go out. A lot of the newer ones, they will not let you, uh, uh, you know, just take the battery out. They'll continue to uh, they're hooked into your electrical system in such a way that they'll um, they'll continue to go off. And do get get some that have almost all the ones that I've seen now have uh, carbon monoxide um, detectors with those, and that's important because one of the most common. Um, injuries uh, and uh, leading causes of death is not necessarily from the fire itself, but it's from smoke inhalation and carbon monoxide uh, levels. And just keep in mind, carbon monoxide, that's a gas in the air that uh, interferes with your body's ability to utilize oxygen. And you can go into a room that has carbon monoxide in it and not ever know it. Uh, You might get short of breath, but you know, it's it's uh, for a young child that can't get out. It's uh, it can be deadly, and there's lots of different things that can cause that too. So, uh, particularly things that burn gas or burn uh, burn different materials. So, wood fireplaces um, want to make sure they're vented appropriately. Uh, certainly, small space heaters that aren't electric they can cause carbon monoxide poisoning. Window guards and latches, um, especially for second story and above. And this is mainly for opening the windows and following out of those of, of those uh, 
uh, rooms. So if you're in the second story or above, maybe an apartment complex too, make sure that you have window guards or latches that secure those windows. And those are fairly easy to get at most stores. Uh, toy chest, uh, just as we talked about the uh, the toilet seat coming down and hitting uh, individuals on the hand, uh, young kids on the hand. Toy chest can do that too. Uh, I can remember my grandfather made me a toy chest uh, out of wood, um, and um, I can remember that thing was, particularly when I was younger, it was pretty heavy to open and close. And uh, if you if you didn't watch out and let that thing slam shut, it could do some damage. So think about that latches, too, uh, or hinges, rather. Um, uh, you know, a lot of hinges are, are on the outside, so it's a little bit harder, a little bit easier for them to catch their finger in there to pinch some skin. And then humidifiers. Uh, humidifiers are okay to use in a lot of situations. It's so humid in the South. Uh, honestly, you know, unless you, you uh you know, in the in the winter time, you can have a problem with it. But usually in the summertime, we don't have too many problems with humidity in houses uh, being too low. Uh, we have just the opposite. Uh, but humidifiers, uh, because they, uh, the particularly the warm humidifiers, they can uh, heat up and uh, might be a fire damage. So just watch out where you have those, particularly if it's an older one. So that's that's mostly infant um, concerns and problems. Toddlers, on the other hand, toddlers love to explore the world. That's what they're made for. They are they are all over the place, going out of your sight. It's amazing how far a toddler can get and what they can get into in a short period of time. So they love to explore small spaces with their fingers. That's why outlets, um, electrical outlets, need to be covered up with some of the protectors that are, you know, specifically designed for that. Um, kitchen and bathrooms often have a ton of stuff that toddlers can, toddlers can get into. And then certainly there's those hazards. The tub is one. So, you know, you can, you can have a toddler that drowns in two inches of water. Um, if, if, in, if they're in water, they really should be, uh, monitored, um, uh, you know, face to face. I know sometimes that gets old, uh, for parents, they may say, you know, they're just fine. They've been fine for the last year. Uh, I'm just sitting here with nothing to do. Hey, go in there, take your phone in there and catch up on the news or Facebook or whatever. But, uh, you need to be watching them as, as best you can around water. And then in bathrooms and in, uh, in kitchens, certainly medicine, medications are a big uh, ingestion hazard for kids. A lot of medications, if they're left out of the bottle of a childproof bottle uh, or that may be in a pill case, they look like candy. They may look like uh, things that are good to eat for those children. So it's often, you know, that a toddler would sort of do a little taste test of grandma's uh, medications. So you want to think about that. Toiletry items, cosmetics, cleaning supplies, a lot of these are toxic to kids uh, if they're ingested. Uh, So you want to have those up and out of the way. And again, just because they're up in the cabinet on the top shelf, if that cabinet door doesn't have a child lock on it, I guarantee you there's there's a toddler out there that will build a device, a tower, a way to get into that to explore that. Uh, I've heard stories and seen toddlers that could uh, that are, you know, parents search for hours uh, to try to find them. And that toddler climbed up in the top uh, top shelf of a cabinet and fell asleep. 
uh, and they finally, you know, found it. So they can they can get all over the place. Uh, if you do have outlets in your kitchen or bathroom, if it's an older house, make sure those are GFI rated that they uh, they have appropriate um, uh, grounding um, uh, grounding mechanisms so that they're not going to you know if you get water on them that they're not going to cause an electrical risk. And then hot water is another one we mentioned burns earlier as a leading cause of injuries in children. And uh, you want to set your, uh, your uh, I can remember when we built our house um, uh, some 10 years ago or so. And, uh, you know, our hot water heater was set pretty high. I mean, you could, you could get hot water quick. And, uh, man, it was really hot. I mean, even I've, you know, been close to, to getting burned sometimes. You want the water set so that you can't get it, if you turn on the, the hot water by itself, that it's not any higher than 120 degrees. Uh, and that's that's hot in and of itself. So if it's, if it's any greater than that, you can have some thermal damage to skin and soft tissues. Remember that a child, even a toddler, may not be able to lift themselves out of that tub if they're in it. Immersion injuries are, are common. Uh, and they can have a horrendous uh, uh, burn from this. Uh, large surface areas, very difficult to treat, uh, can have all kinds of complications with fluid and electrolyte problems and inf- infections, and some even causing you know skin graft uh, or, or requiring skin grafts later on or even death. So just keep that in mind with hot water, and it's so easy just to turn that thermostat down on the hot water heater so that you don't have those problems. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about safety issues today, and we'd love to hear from you if you have a question about anything. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion. Please call us with any questions you have at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about safety issues in the home. And, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, we talk about safety a lot in the medical field in general, particularly in the hospital, things that we can do to make uh, your stay in hospitals as a patient better, uh, that we can improve the environment so that we're safe. You know, the airline industry did this decades ago because they had so many deaths, so many uh, accidents that were preventable uh, in the air. And so back in the, I believe the, the 20s, 30s, and 40s, they really did some efforts to uh, to standardize things and to try to be as safe as possible to look at the methods that they use. And you can do the same thing in the home. And one of the most common reasons why we are unsafe that we know of in different industries, whether that's the airline industry, the medical industry, is complacency, uh, where we think, well, nothing has happened to us yet. 
uh, we must be doing something right. And uh, we don't really look intently at our processes that we're doing to try to make things better. And that's something that you can do in the home. Yeah, it's a bit of a drag to do that, to systematically go through your house and, and identify these things. But, hey, I tell you, I've seen way too many kids uh, that come in injured uh, or worse, and uh, it it pays to do that. It pays to do that, and it can be a fun activity, too, if you make it that way. So talking about all the things in houses, all those outlets, all those things that a toddler can get into, um, you know, some of the things uh, that that we think about, too, in other areas, not just in the kitchen or bathroom or uh, the bedroom, fireplaces. You know, people still have a lot of uh, traditional fireplaces where you actually burn uh, logs in there. Even if you don't, there's a gas fireplaces. Um, the fireplace itself, certainly that's an issue with the heat uh, heat uh, that it puts off. Most kids won't go directly into that just because they're recessed in the wall, but some of them will. If you have a wood-burning stove that's freestanding, uh, that's an issue, particularly with kids touching that. But the hearth around it is also an, an issue. I know a lot of people get these uh, sort of brick, uh, these, these uh, if they have a brick hearth or if they have a hard hearth around their um around their fire they'll have these little uh covers that are either rubber or um or cloth that they they put on there that if the, the child slips and falls invariably i can remember our kids when we did have a we had a, a fireplace when they were younger they would not fall and then all of a sudden they would fall right in front of the fireplace i don't know what it is if something about gravity in that area that was unstable uh that a toddler would do that but just uh, uh, keep in mind that a fire screen's a good idea, too, if you're going to have a fire, just because uh, not necessarily for somebody falling in it as a protection. Certainly doesn't have much protection that way, but sparks coming out of the fire that land on any materials in front of the fireplace. Uh, I, you know, I would advocate not having a rug or anything that's flammable in front of that area for about four to six feet around the fireplace just for a safety issue. Pools are another thing, particularly here in the South. A lot of people that have pools. Uh, access to the pool is a big thing. And certainly the most important thing with pool safety is making sure that you have a responsible adult that preferably knows basic CPR and has uh, access to some safety equipment around the pool to, uh, to help a child out or an adult out of the water uh, if they're in trouble. Um, a pool should be totally surrounded uh, and have uh, gate access. So you should have a fence that's at least four feet in height um, that is uh, all the way around the pool. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, I've got a fence around my pool, but my you know, back door opens up onto my patio and uh, kids can sometimes go straight out into the pool that way. So you want to make sure that you have all of that uh, appropriately locked up um, and have a gate that's a child-proof gate. They make these, uh, if you go to any any pool, I know we were down on the coast uh, several months ago, and, uh, you know, all the pools down there have those where they have sort of a lock at the top of it where you just pull it. Actually, I think it's like it must be doctor-proof, too, because I had a hard time with it every time I was going in and out. So it's if it's hard for me, maybe it's hard for your kids. Uh, but bottom line is get get something like that, invest in that, uh, so that your kids aren't go, you know, don't have that easy access to the pool. Just because you're, it's a good idea for your child to know how to swim. But just because they know how to swim, uh, that's not a hundred percent safe. Uh, there's certainly injuries uh, in and around the water 
uh, with kids that uh, that have been to swim school that know how to swim on their own. Uh, but things happen in the pool, and uh, you just need to, to have somebody there to supervise it. Have an emergency plan. Uh, emergencies do happen, and you want to be able to plan for that. Um, you know, we have uh, lots of different uh, scenarios in the South of all kinds of emergencies from uh, bad thunderstorms to tornadoes. Uh, if you live in coastal areas, hurricanes, certainly flooding uh, in some areas. So the, the fire is, is a common one that can affect any home. So if, if you're, you know, if, if you're exposed to any or all those things, have a good emergency plan, important emergency numbers, make sure that you have access to that. Older kids can certainly, I would involve them in that too. It's a great uh, opportunity to uh, help them to learn some of those techniques. Have a plan of escape. If you have a fire in the home, particularly in upper floors, make sure that everybody knows how to get out of the home safely, have a plan to do that, and where you meet right outside the home. So uh, you can practice that. That's a fun thing to do as a family together. Um, uh, if, uh, if you have younger children, uh, if, they're, uh, if they're coming over during disaster-type times, make sure you, you child-proof the house again, just sort of going through and ask their parents, too, you know, what kind of things to look out for if it's been a while. It may be 20 or 30 years since you had a young child, and, you know, the good Lord gives us amnesia in different, uh, in different areas, and that's one of them. All those, all those crazy things that kids did, uh, a lot of those you forget over times. Uh, and over time, and uh, you need some some reminders about that. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and we're talking about safety in the home. If you've got any kind of safety questions or any other questions about the health of your children and family, you can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So we've spent a lot of time in our cars uh, in the South, uh, not a whole lot of public transportation uh, comparatively to other areas of the country. So because of that reason in cars and because of so many variables that can go wrong in a car, you know, car seats are one of those things that can can be a big issue. Uh, most hospitals, if you're going home uh, by law, they'll, you know, they'll require you to have a car seat. Uh, if you can't afford a car seat, there's a tons of ways you can get one. Um, you can contact your local law enforcement or fire department. I guarantee you they will help you find a car seat um, for your child. There are all kinds of different ones. Some of the most common questions are, what's the, the safest car seat that I can buy? And the, the real answer is there are multiple ones that are safe. There's all kinds of different locking mechanisms. You can get a car seat that's several hundred dollars that, in, you know, that's sort of modular uh, for your stroller and for a swing and all kinds of different things. But the bottom line is if, if you have a child that's less than two years of age, uh, big, big takeaway things here. Uh, less than two years old, they should be in a rear facing child seat in the back seat or until they outgrow the weight and height recommendations on that seat. So every child seat will have some recommendations that are specific to it about weight and height limits. So if, once they, they outgrow those, then they can go to a uh, booster seat next with a uh, lap, lap belt uh, or a harness belt is even better. So if they do have a harness belt, that's better than just a lap belt. Uh, once they get in those booster seats, 
the shoulder belt part of it does not need to be over them. I've seen some kids, you know, just on the on the road or parking lots that have that are young. Uh, they may uh, have outgrown that that um, um, uh, child car seat, but now they're in a booster seat, and that the lap belt comes right across their neck. That's a dangerous situation in in a wreck, particularly if you hit something moving full, while moving forward. So you want to have a lap belt until they're about four foot nine inches tall. Once they reach that height uh, length, then you can have, you know, proper lap and shoulder placement of those things. And you can modify, you know, a lot of car dealers are modifying uh, the way that they um, have options, particularly for child, children in the back seat. If you have a younger child, never appropriate to put them in the front seat, um, even if there's, you know, safety issues with airbags. Older children that that do reach those height requirements, four foot ninety inches tall, uh, they usually can sit in the front seat. I know tons of cars now that are newer. They're going to have a mechanism that cuts off that that passenger airbag. Uh, you know, some people may think, well, why is that? I thought it was for safety issues. It's because it's rated for heavier individuals, for adults and younger children. Uh, where that airbag comes out can do damage to their head and neck in um, in certain situations. So just be aware of that. Safest place, though, is in the back seat. Another thing is, uh, you know, distractions. Um, it's not just about the, the child's safety uh, alone. It's about how well you're driving in that situation. Um, it, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've seen people come into the ER uh, families and you get the you know what happened they get the situation well mom or dad was driving uh, maybe your older uh, you know uh, child was driving if they're old enough and uh, they had some distraction that happened and uh, they ended up having a wreck because of it so think about those things it's it's better to be late and safe than be uh, you know try to get there on time and uh, be sorry because something happened so Think about those things when you're going different places in the car. Make sure, take just a few seconds to look around. Make sure everybody is appropriately situated in their car seat or seat belt. Uh, and have, be a positive role model for that as a parent. I mean, put that seat belt on. Uh, it's amazing families that do that. It's never an issue with older children. They're usually just like, well, this is just what we do. Um, so that's that's an important thing. Certainly in the South, even though we're going into fall, unattended children, there's always a risk of overheating in vehicles. In the summertime uh, in the South, you can have temperatures in excess of 140 degrees in vehicles. Uh, and you can reach that in about five to ten minutes uh, with, uh, you know, no air running. Uh, and there's certainly other issues of having your, your car, uh, you know, car, uh, your, your child in your car unattended. Uh, certainly there's a risk of other people doing, doing things coming by. Uh, you know, older children can sometimes put that car, if, it's, if you leave it running especially, uh, put it in uh, drive or reverse and uh, have some damage that way. But don't leave your your kids or i'll put in a plug for pets too don't leave those pets in there either because they will just uh they'll have horrendous damage uh because children are smaller they have smaller body surface area so the surface of their skin the actual area there uh is not as good at dissipating heat and cooling down their bodies in those kinds of situations as older individuals or larger individuals so they're more at risk particularly younger children are more at risk of overheating uh with injuries 
um, in those kinds of situations. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens talking about safety issues today. Still got some time for your call or email. You can send us those at by calling one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up our segment and uh, be available for you for any kind of questions you might have. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart and talking about safety issues in the home this morning. Covered a lot of ground so far. Big big, uh, topics Uh, But basically, the simple things are look, try to anticipate all the different things, um, and uh, correct those early. Don't wait until something happens to change things. Got an email here from Paul, uh, who says, I'm a nurse, and uh, as a nurse, I um, tend to plan for the worst. Could you talk about what to do if a child does uh, get into a cabinet and ingest medications or chemicals. Thank you, uh, Paul, for uh, sending that in for us. Uh, Yeah, so if you do have a situation where a child ingests something, uh, even if you don't know what it is, you know, frequently you'll run in the room, the parent will say, I ran in the room, the kid's got something in their mouth, I try to get it out. Uh, there may be five, ten different medications, or maybe they got underneath the sink and their mouth's wet, they're crying, I don't know what they got into um, get, gather information about what's going on with those uh, with those chemicals or medications. Um, you know, if you can bring certainly if there's medications involved, bring all of them with you. But uh, that child probably needs to be checked out. There is a uh, poison control line that you can uh, call. That number is one eight hundred two 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 one two two two. That's 1-800-222-1222. And they're going to ask you some questions about, okay, what's going on? How old is the child? What are some of the symptoms? And they're going to give you some great advice uh, about what to do. They're going to ask you about, uh, you know, if you do know the chemical, uh, you, they're going to look that up, and they're going to give you exactly what you need to do right then and there. Most of the time, they're going to, particularly with younger kids, they're going to, uh, advise you to go ahead and bring them in to an uh, emergency room situation. Uh, and the reason is a lot of the things that they ingest, we don't see the effects until later. Um, and sometimes, depending on what it is, for instance, there are some medications that in children, uh, you don't even see the effects until 12 hours later. Um, so there are some delays in that. Tylenol is a big one that people don't think about, but certainly Tylenol poisoning or Tylenol toxicity 
uh, in higher amounts, and and the time period in which you take it can have devastating effect effects on your liver. Basically, can shut your liver down. If your liver shuts down completely, uh, you really don't live if you don't have a transplant. So uh, it's important to come early. There are antidotes to a lot of these different medications and chemicals, or at least things that we can do as uh, you know as a medical care team uh, to to try to prevent some of the side effects. So if they do that, call that number, 1-800-222-1222, and they're going to give you some great advice. But you probably want to just, if it's particularly if it's a younger child, just go ahead and bring them into the emergency room. So thanks, Paul, for uh, asking that question and uh, um, uh, giving us a chance to talk about that. The Poison Control Center has an infectious, pun intended, jingle. (laughs) <laughs> that they play. It's Did a public. It? It's, a, it? it's a public service yeah. announcement that runs during sports games. I've heard sometimes yeah. on the radio. Yeah, and uh, I I called it up because that number sounds a little bit redundant. One eight hundred two 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 one two two two. But you'll hear this, and then you'll never forget it. One eight hundred two 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 one two two two. One eight hundred two 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 one two two two. If you think it might be poison, then the first thing you should do is call one eight hundred two 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 one two two two. For poison emergencies or just questions, the Poison Control Center hotline is here twenty four seven with the expert help you need. If you think it might be poison, then you don't know what to do. Call one eight hundred two 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 one two two two. Oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. That is a hometown little jingle right there, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's great. I was all I was thinking when you said that about a jingle. You know what came to my mind is the one eight one eight eight two three hundred Empire. Oh yeah, the the yeah. Empire Carpets jingle. Yeah, yeah, from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Let's go to Kevin in Gulfport. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Thanks for calling. You're quite welcome. I, um, several years ago, I, I thought I'd relate this story to you. Several years ago, my wife and I became grandparents. And we knew that we were going to see our grandson for the first time when he was three years old because they were coming back from overseas. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I got on our hands and knees, went through our entire house, anything we could tug on or anything that was in our line of sight on our knees got put up. Yeah, that's... The, that, that, the that's, only problem... Go ahead. Where, where that is good advice, the only problem is if you have in your family bathroom a bidet, make <laughs> sure the child understands that what a bidet is for and not for a fountain to play in. <laughs> that's good advice there, Kevin. Uh, did you get pictures of that, of you and your wife crawling around the house like that? Oh, I wish I had. <laughs> my wife on the floor like that was hysterical. <laughs> the things we do for our kids and grandchildren. That's uh, that's great. That's great advice, though. You might need some, you know, Tylenol or ibuprofen later if you're uh, if you have arthritis problems doing that. But that uh, that's great. And you know, some of the things you said, uh, tugging on things, you know, to see what happens. Uh, that's exactly what you need especially, to do. Especially, especially if you. Have- Table runner that has tassels hanging off of it. Oh yeah, kids love tassels. Yeah. So we we got on one end. I got on one end and tugged it, and it came right off the table with the centerpiece, and that was, <laughs> that was all it took. You know, the tassels went up over the table, and for any anything that was hanging, um, cords, especially your curtain cords. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cut them. 
cut them so that the child can't get strung up in them. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's you know the uh, the blinds. Uh, you know, a lot, we still have a lot of blinds that have those cords like that, and it certainly it is is an uh, you know a strangling hazard. Yeah, it's just it's the best advice we ever had, which was to get on our knees and walk through our entire house, and just like you said, look at your house from that eight brackets um, line of line of view. You know, when you do that, when you do that, you start realizing these things that are hazards. You know, for instance, um, the in your chair and you put the you put the footrest up. Yep. In in the space the space that footrests a lot of them have material there now. Yeah, they do. However, but they, some of the old ones you can get sort of caught in there. You're right. So, Kevin, that's all the time we have. I'm gonna have to cut you off. I, I appreciate you calling though uh, about that. But yeah, that's great advice for a grandparent that's gonna have those kids over to do that. Thanks everybody for listening today. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens is a production of Mississippi Public Radio. Think Radio, Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today's show was engineered by Jay White, and our call screener was Jay White, and Jay White did everything else on this program, including giving us that nice jingle to remember for the Poison Control Center. Hey, you can join us. There it is. Now we're going to watch the Cubs. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.